Welcome to the Dreadcast. I'm Donovan Dread. In this episode, we're going to hear stories from six different people describing their very odd and strange encounters with the supernatural. But before we get into the stories, check out dreadsarmy.com for daily news of the strange and weird. Now here's the stories. Hi, Donovan. Love the show, especially the episode where you read about the security guard in Northern Virginia. I loved it because I also live in Northern Virginia, and I totally believe it. There are so many buildings and things going on here where you would least expect it. I grew up here, and I live in the suburbs of Northern Virginia. I'm just inside the westbound line of Fairfax County. For those who don't know, Northern Virginia is filled with suburbs. For as long as I can remember, new neighborhoods were going up all of the time, especially in the Ashburn area. It's relatively new since I was a kid, but now it's completely overcrowded. There's so many government jobs and tech jobs in this area. Chances are that your neighbors will either work for the government, for a contractor who works for the government, or they're in real estate. There is a mixture of neighborhoods and buildings where I live. Right across the street from where I live is a group of buildings with a large barbed wire fence. There is a field that separates the building from my street, but I can clearly see it. My window to my room is on the back side of my house, which is facing this building. On the outside, it's unmarked. There are no signs or anything with the company name. And they have 24-7 security guards that sit at the entrance gate. This isn't out of the ordinary. There's quite a few places like this around. Who really knows what goes on there? That's why I'm sending you my experience because, like I said, I've lived here all my life and I've seen things happen at this building, which I'm going to share with you. I'm in college now. I just started my senior year at George Mason University. I commute to school to save on room and board, and I transferred there my junior year from community college. In Virginia, you will be accepted into any school if you have an associate's degree from a community college even the tough schools to get into, like UVA. So I started becoming interested in this building about five years ago. I watched it being built when I was a kid, but never really paid any attention to it. It just looked like a regular building to me. But as I got older, something about it sparked my interest. I wanted to know what was going on in there. Why was there security there 24-7? Why were there no signs on the doors or the building? I would often see cars pull up late at night, sometimes around 2 or 3 a.m. Now what is going on there that late at night? The cars would have tinted windows so I could never see who was driving. They would never stay longer than 20 minutes at a time from what I observed. I thought that they were probably dropping something off or picking something up. The weird thing about it is that these drop-offs or pickups always happened at night and not during the day. Well, one night I was staying up late studying, and I see lights go off inside the building, like flashing lights you would see during a fire alarm. I opened up my window to my room, but I couldn't hear anything. It was far enough away that I couldn't hear much, but I had some Celestron binoculars that I got for my birthday a few years back. I looked over there through my binoculars, and I see that the lights stopped blinking. Then about 10 minutes later, this delivery truck shows up. It was a large white cargo van that pulled up to the side of the building. There were two men who got out of the delivery truck, who entered the building. About five minutes later, they opened the doors to the back of the van, 
and they are putting what looked like body bags into the back of the van. There were four body bags that they were carrying out to the vehicle that I saw. Now, I'm really curious as to what happened over there because this looks very suspicious. Why would an alarm go off and then shortly after they're carrying body bags out of that building? It doesn't add up. Was there a breach of some sort and people died as a result from something they were containing? Was it an experiment that went wrong and exploded? Was this a black site that they used to interrogate people? I don't know. Honestly, it could be anything. Over the next few days, there was a lot of activity at that building at night. Many cars and vans were coming throughout the night. This continued for three days and then it slowed down to normal activity. There wasn't anything about it in the local news either. So I started doing some research online and I found out that the building is owned by some company that doesn't have a website or any information about it online. It was a total dead end. I still watch this building at night if I'm up, but there hasn't been any activity like that night where I saw them carry out those bags. I was telling my friends about this and we all speculate what is happening in that building. We think it's some type of testing facility or interrogation center because no one ever goes there during the day. Thanks Donovan for sharing my story. Hi Donovan, my name is Tim and I've been camping all of my life in Western PA. I saw in one of your comments that you're from Pittsburgh. I'm from Washington PA, so pretty close. There are a few parks in Western PA where I go camping all the time, such as Ohio Pile and Cook Forest. All of these parks offer beautiful scenery and plenty of activities to keep you busy. I personally love Ohio Pile and I do a lot of fly fishing down there. This is where my story takes place. I was camping with just my wife this summer. This took place in June. We had sent our kids to stay with their grandparents in central PA for a week in the summer, so the wife and I could get to do what we love to do most, which is camping. We have a few families that we normally go camping with when we have the kids, but this time it was just us. I have a bunkhouse travel trailer that sleeps eight. We were camping at Ohio Pile State Park. We got there on Saturday and set up our spot, then headed down to the Yakagani River to fish. I love the fly fish and so does the wife. So that's what we did all day until it was time to cook dinner and eat. After my dinner, my wife wanted to walk down to the river. It was about a mile away or so until you get to an area where there's some large boulders along the river. We just sat there and enjoyed nature. We sat on those rocks until it got dark and then headed back to our camp with our flashlights. My wife was walking ahead of me and we were about halfway back to the camp when all of a sudden my wife stops and pointed her flashlight at something on the trail about 20 feet ahead of us. I stopped too because I didn't know what she had seen, but when I shined my light at where she was pointing, I couldn't believe what I saw. About 20 feet in front of us was this large creature with long hair. It was on all fours. It had its back to us so we couldn't see its face but it looked like it was eating something on the trail. My first thought was that we just ran into a black bear, because we've encountered them before, but this looked different. For one, it took a second, but the smell hit us all at once. It smelled like a wet dog and urine so bad. It was a very pungent smell. This thing had black fur all over its body, but it was much different because it had hind legs 
like a dog and not a bear. It was also much larger than a black bear, at least any black bear that I've ever seen. It had this big hump on the back of its neck. As soon as we hit it with the flashlight, about a half a second later it takes off. I never saw its face. All of this happened in a flash. It was feeding on a raccoon that was half eaten on the trail. I'm not 100% sure what this thing was because it happened so fast and it just took off as soon as we saw it. I was never able to see its face, but it sure felt like that dog creature you talk about on your channel. I would love to know if anyone else in the Western PA region has seen this creature. Only being a rookie on the search and rescue, I was deeply disturbed by my findings. I was assigned to the crime scene where I had found a dismembered body abandoned on the side of the road. Nevertheless, I was grateful for any experiences that would help me grow as a wildlife officer, and I knew that this experience would provide excellent training opportunities. The victim's head and limbs were scattered across several yards from each other. Due to this fact, we weren't able to determine the animal responsible. The one huge drawback to this was the further that we investigated, it didn't match any known killing of any local wildlife that we knew. Usually, we were able to identify teeth and bite marks, scratches and claw marks. There might be fur of an actual animal here that we tested, but it's not making any sense because nothing came up as a match in our vast systems. No one could identify the clump of orange-looking matted fur that was left by the victim's head. The worst of the matter, it almost looked as if the head and limbs were ripped from the body. Not mauled or torn with teeth or claws. Ripped, using brute strength. Now you tell me, what the hell kind of animal would be able to do that? Once the police and medical examiner came, removing the body and any evidence, we were able to further explore the area. Since I was only a rookie, I had to tag along with one of the older guys. And to be honest, I was okay with that. I wasn't sure I was going to get the sight of that body out of my mind for a very long time. The boss told us that we had to check the area. Until that point, I didn't even know we split the area by letters. And before I could even glean any more information, we were off. I noticed that the ranger I was with had made sure the rifle was loaded and ready before we ever headed off. We drove around a bit taking the truck through the woods until we got to a far denser part of the parkland that I had never seen before. The ranger just sat there with the engine idling for a bit, looking into the trees in front of us, which were way too close together to drive through. It was weird, but I would have sworn there was something like fear in his eyes. This is as far as I go, he told me. Not only because the truck can't get through, but we don't belong out there. Of course, I had to ask what he meant by that, so I asked him, What do you mean, don't belong? Rangers can't go. It's a private land. He looked at me and replied real seriously that people can't go in there. And it wasn't just exclusive to rangers. I wanted to ask more, but his silence seemed to imply that that was the end of the conversation. At least for now, and although it seemed to be a real odd thing to say, I didn't think too much of it, not right then anyway. 
We drove back to the ranger station, having scouted the area and not seen anything else suspicious, or indeed anything else at all. There didn't seem to be any deer, rabbits, or even a bird in sight. There was a strange atmosphere back at the station, too. Even though I was still quite new, they'd always treated me as part of the team and keen and eager to take me under their wing to help me learn the ropes. I had been told many stories, and most of them had humorous anecdotes, and when they did something silly which they could laugh about after. But this was different. They didn't seem to want to include me. There were lots of looks passed between them, as if there were something they all knew except me. I couldn't work out what was going on. I was still feeling jittery from the gory discovery, and the fact that no one seemed to know what the hell kind of creature had caused such devastation. I yelled out, so what's with all the secret looking stuff, not going into the woods? I mean, what do you think is out here? A Bigfoot? A Wendigo? Don't tell me there's a UFO hotspot, right? The room had gone silent, with the boss looking back over at me from his desk. I wasn't sure if I was going to get reprimanded, but he unlocked his drawer and pulled out a map and some various case files. Over the next hour or so, he and the others told me about different incidents they had attended to over the years. Discoveries that they had made either that hadn't ended up on the official system or had been closed with a fake clarification. The category they were really fouled under was unexplained. Looking in the files and the photos, a lot of the bodies were in a similar state to the victim that I had found. Head and limbs torn from the torso, but despite numerous bite marks on the body, fur and feces found nearby, they couldn't match the animal with anything they'd come across before. Of course, even though I'd grown up reading Goosebumps and watching Supernatural, I didn't actually believe in anything unexplained. The notion was ridiculous. Must be some sort of hybrid predator. Like a wolf and a cougar had somehow produced offspring. Now the boss told me the DNA blood tested at the scene had no similarities with any other animal. Except one he had told me. He pulled out a sheet of paper from the file. And then the printout from the blood found today. It was a match. So the same creature had attacked the latest victim and the person in this older file. Maybe all the files. Then I noticed the anomaly. The one creature it had something in common with. Human. So I asked if a person did this. But it couldn't be if they really thought a human being was responsible. Why are they looking into it and not the police? I mean, why not the FBI if there were this many blatant cases? But he told me it wasn't a person and the DNA says it was definitely not human, but maybe at some point it was. I can't really explain how that made me feel or what I was thinking. It did go through my mind that maybe this was some sort of elaborate prank or initiation that someone would shout, gotcha, but it never came. Needless to say, the case was closed very fast. I'm guessing the file ended up in a locked drawer along with the others. For the next few weeks, we all had to double up when we went out, especially if it was dark or when we were heading off the pass. We had to keep the campgrounds and the trails shut to the public, too. I still haven't seen a deer or even a rabbit. All of the birds seemed to be back, 
but there's something out there for sure. But for now, it remains unexplained. Hi Donovan, I'm submitting a story on behalf of my friend. She went hiking at Yosemite National Park in June of this year. She's actually an avid hiker. She's in her 50s and is really an outdoorsy person. She hikes a few times a week and recommends hiking gear on her blog for some side income. She's not easily scared or intimidated by nature. We've known each other for about 10 years. I told her to come forward with her story, but she's just too embarrassed of what people would think if she told her story. So I'm submitting it for her. She hikes during the week because it's less crowded, and she typically works weekends for her full-time job. She said she arrived early morning and started hiking the Yosemite Falls Trail. About 40 minutes into her hike, she starts hearing these weird noises coming from off the trail. She said it sounded like a squealing or a squeaking noise. She thought it was odd, but she just kept hiking. Shortly after, she could see something following her, off to the right of the trail behind her. She kept looking back, but whatever this was would hide behind some brush or trees every single time she looked back. At this point, she was getting a little nervous that it could be a mountain lion stalking her, although it was uncommon for them to be out during the day. She would frequently look back, but she never saw anything until she falls over and lands face first on the trail. She felt something push her from behind that had claws. It was really strong, like if a grown man shoved you as hard as they could. She cut up her hands and knees on the trail and scraped her face on the dirt and rocks. Then she hears this loud cackling sound coming from right behind her. Her phone also fell out of her pocket when she was shoved to the ground. She grabs her phone and turns around and sees this animal standing four to maybe four and a half feet tall. It was standing on its hind legs and covered in this light brown fur. It had feet like a wolf or a dog, but it had these big claws on the end. It also had long arms and claws that were a few inches long. It was small and muscular, but it had large pectoral muscles for its size. It had this smashed-in face with kind of a pig-shaped nose, with teeth hanging out of its mouth. The scariest part of all was its eyes. She said they were glowing this orangish color even though it was in the day. She was scared, but she managed to somehow capture this photo of it before she took out her pepper spray and sprayed this thing. It was standing there looking over her with drool coming out of its mouth and it was turning its head like it was trying to figure out what to do next. It was obviously a foot smaller than my friend, but way more powerful than her. Even though you can't see its face, I still can't believe she was able to snap this picture. She always carries her pepper spray on her belt on her left side. Right after she snapped the picture, she grabbed her pepper spray as it was moving its head around and sprayed it. It let out this very loud cackle, and then it went stumbling, then eventually running off into the woods. Luckily, she didn't suffer from any serious injuries. Just some scratches on her back and some bruising on her knees and hands. She was able to get back to her car okay and made it home. She called me on the way home and told me what had happened. Like I said, this happened in June, and she hasn't hiked alone since then, and probably never will again. Thanks for getting these stories out there. 
My friend will be happy if she gets to hear this story on your channel. Thanks and God bless. Donna My search and rescue experience is not specific to a park, rangers, or even emergency service. I've been fortunate enough to be exposed to many different situations all throughout my short career. The following are quick stories about some of those incidents. I've only been a ranger now for two years, and before that I spent another five years in the military as an infantryman. All that I know is combat, but working with civilians has taught me valuable lessons on how to take charge. Like how I wish we had increased the search area on this case a lot sooner, and before the weather had changed. It's the weirdest and most frightening experience I've ever had, despite seeing action in the army, because there's never a rational explanation for what happened to those women. The three ladies in question were hiking along a well-traveled trail up to Mount Rainier when they went missing. On the fifth day, it started snowing very hard, and there was no sign of them anywhere. One of their boyfriends had called in claiming that the women were all young and fit and healthy. They were experienced hikers. Even if the weather had taken the most unexpected turn, there was no GPS from any of them and hadn't been since the second day. If it had been snowing the entire time, I would have been more inclined to expect to find the frozen bodies. But the snow had only just begun. Now that the snow had added to the problem, it should not have been the cause. I headed up to the last place one of them had used a call and relocated the GPS signal, then followed the trail myself until I reached their intended finish and rendezvous point. There was indeed no sign or anything. The snow was now covering any tracks that I might have been able to spot. I spent the entire day exploring the area as much as the weather would allow me to, checking above me the whole time. You'd be surprised how many clues there are in the trees that regular people might miss. But no, I couldn't find a thing. It was like those three women just found a hole in the ground and were sucked in. Snow had continued to fall for the next four days, and we gave up much hope of ever finding them alive. Even if they had managed to crawl into some space that I didn't know existed, they would have likely had frozen to death by now anyway. On the fourth day... So now nine days since they were supposed to finish the trail, the weather now grew warmer and snow began to melt some. So I headed back out taking one of the dogs with me. Old Shep was a cadaver dog, trained to sniff out corpses. As I said, I wasn't expecting to find any of those ladies alive. I'm sure you already figured out the story won't have a happy ending. But first off, Old Shep did find something like what I had been expecting. A leg. One cleanly amputated left leg. No boot or clothing. Just a leg. A leg that, aside from no longer being attached to its owner, was perfectly fine. Not bruised, not gashed, no bite marks. Then we found one of the women just walking on the trail. I immediately called for an airlift, covering her in warm blankets and giving her fluids. She was still fully dressed in her hiking clothes no visible cuts or bruises. You could tell just by looking at her that she was in shock and suffering from hypothermia, and she appeared to be starving. Her pack and cell were missing, despite me trying to find out if she knew where the others were. 
She was unable or unwilling to talk. Once at the hospital, they checked her over, but couldn't find any physical or long-term injuries or issues. No frostbite, no flesh wounds, nothing. As soon as she was warm and had eaten, she was asked a ton of questions, but nothing. She spent months in the hospital just recovering. Having been moved onto the psych ward pretty early to my knowledge, was barely able to communicate at all, let alone give an explanation. We never found any more of the second woman, other than that leg, and nothing at all of the third woman, nor their packs or cells or any belongings. It just disappeared. But the scariest part, the part that makes no sense, even less sense than three fit and healthy women going out onto a well-used trail and only one coming back, is that this is not the first occurrence of a group of people just disappearing and only one returning without a scratch or mark on them. But no one has any reasonable explanation as to what could be the cause. This happened when we were going to the Redwoods in California. This was a very remote part of California, so there were no cell phones or any kind of communication that we could have used. The sun had not come up yet, and it was one of the most isolated parts of the state, or so it felt. I had been camping with five friends in a very deep patch of forest in Northern California. We spent our days hiking around the woods, huddling around campfires at night to keep warm. My friends and I were all experienced hikers, who thought we knew how to survive out in the wilderness. But this time we went off trail for an adventure hike to one of the longest areas which led into the heart of the mysterious part of the Redwood National Park. We assumed that it had remained unexplored by man for who knows how long. We knew we were getting deep into the remote areas. And the further we went, the more it became more of a green labyrinth of trees that grew thicker and denser towards the center. We told ourselves that if we got lost, it would be easier to find our way back by following our own footsteps, until we bumped into a familiar landmark or area. Now the sun set about 6 p.m., giving us about six hours of sunlight left for hiking through this unknown charted part. As night approached, my friends decided they wanted to take a break from hiking, just to relax so they could recoup their energy for tomorrow's adventure. They built this huge fire and we sat around telling stories. The night forest became alive with strange shadows dancing on the trees, but we kept our spirits high, telling stories of haunted places near where we lived back home. We talked about how frightening it would be if an axe murderer got into your house or even out here in this dark wilderness, where absolutely nothing was familiar. We laughed at each other for being scared, and after a few minutes, one of my friends put on a song from Elvis Presley. We all started singing along to it. Afterwards, we all stared deep into the fire pit and began to talk more about what scary things are out there. I'm sure some of us were thinking about Bigfoot or other monsters that supposedly live out here. At first, we all kind of agreed nothing really scary lives out here, and we were just kind of freaking ourselves out. And then strange stories began to come out more and more. One friend said he knew a story of a ghost, apparently that lived up by a lake, and you could die just by looking into it. 
Yet another friend talked about how many people disappeared into Oregon's national parks, never to be seen again. They talked about hidden creatures deep in the cave systems, which people were being taken into. One of my friends even claimed he once saw Bigfoot while hiking through Nevada. Every time somebody told a new story or took the rabbit hole deeper, it would just freak us out even more. Then we'd laugh and make fun of each other for being scared. And we kept reassuring ourselves that there's nothing dangerous out here. But then everybody would jump as we all heard a sudden noise, which sounded like it came from a large animal. And then there was silence. That's when I began to think about how scary this deep forest was actually becoming. And we were pretty far out there. I took my friend's story about Bigfoot seriously and started to tell them more ghost stories. I told them about this sandman who climbs through your windows while you're sleeping and steals your soul, never letting it return again. It's a character in children's books that comes out at night and puts dust on your eyes. My friends are like, whatever, man, you're so full of crap. But I laughed and even got a little freaked out myself because they kept talking about things being in the woods. But then one of my friends sees movement over by one of the trees, which is covered in a shadow. She screams and says it looked like somebody or something was trying to shake the tree behind it. We all look and to our horror, there is actually something there. This large figure moving behind the tree. My friend, thinking it was a trick of the light or dark, grabs his flashlight, shining it in that direction illuminating this partial figure, and just like out of a movie, we saw that this thing had these deep, glowing eyes. That's when we all began screaming and jumping up from our camping spots and running to the tents. Some of us were grabbing weapons while others were huddling in the tents for safety. This thing was thrashing through the brush, wailing like the most twisted, terrible animal you could imagine. We turned on our flashlights, desperately trying to defend ourselves with the light in case it came at us. But really, what could that even do? Thankfully, we didn't see anything out there again that night. I can't sit here and say that I'm an expert about what we saw. We were terrified. Nobody else knew exactly what they were seeing either. But I've never been so frightened before in my entire life. And for days after that, everybody was talking about how scary those woods are. And where did that thing go? We knew we weren't imagining things. Because everybody saw it. Even I. And I was probably the least scared out of all of us. The weird thing is, is we never reported the incident. It was as if we all had mutually agreed that it wasn't our place to tell anybody. I mean, we were probably trespassing on private property. That's my story. I've always had a fascination with the deep woods. I grew up hearing stories of strange creatures like Bigfoot and critters like the Loveland Frogmen. Now, even as a kid, I was absolutely fascinated by these tales. Some people might think it's just kid stuff. But at night, when my parents would go to sleep, I could never fall asleep because all I could ever do was think about what lurks within the forbidden and mysterious forest that surrounded our tiny little town here in California. It had almost been 20 years since they tore down the old abandoned factory right near where we lived. 
So therefore, there weren't any more scary urban legends for me to be deathly afraid of. My parents said it used to be an evil place, where bad people did things, like satanic rituals, animal sacrifices, that sort of thing. The story they told me, though, was of a man whose daughter got kidnapped while playing in the woods by something they referred to as the man with no face. Supposedly, he had no face, and if you ever saw him, you would die. They just used to scare me with that story. I mean, I guess my fascination with scary stories and experiences, it began pretty early on in life. As a kid, I really wanted to have an encounter with some sort of being from beyond. Growing up there were many times we went camping or hiked into what anybody would call the deep woods with friends or hiking excursions or even hunting and fishing. I've done it all. My father said that this particular forest area here in Cali was once thriving with bears and other wild critters. I always thought that was pretty cool. He said in the early 1800s it was actually one of the largest uncut forests in all of Cali, and there were thousands of buffalo roaming. My parents would tell me things like this in hopes to keep me out of the forest. They knew how fascinated I was with them, but sometimes my brain just couldn't stop thinking about what lived deep within its mysterious walls. I would sneak off for an hour or two by myself. The area I live in is similar to a haunted woods type setting. Lots of creeks, some of which run through waterfalls, old abandoned homes, and factories, small lakes and big rocks and boulders, and sometimes hidden caves and other natural formations with cool names like the Devil's Slide and Devil's Punch Bowl. It's a very secluded area that hardly anybody ever goes to. I mean... It's so hard to get to. But I'm sure if you put in the time to get there, you would for sure have an encounter with something. I remember one day after hours of fishing on this particular lake that is surrounded by woods on both sides. Which pretty much describes any lake, right? Gosh, I'm terrible at descriptions, but I digress. There weren't any birds chirping or squirrels running around. The forest had gone silent. Pretty disturbing. On top of all that, we noticed how unusually dreary and foggy it had gotten all of the sudden. This was a warm day with a clear, beautiful sky, just not even 30 minutes prior. It wasn't even foggy in this area. So where did this come from? I think maybe we get about two days a year where you can't even see past 20 feet. This was strange. We all figured it was some sort of, well, we don't know. I guess I'm not really sure what to even come up with. I really have nothing to explain it. So we ended packing up and heading back towards the car. We took this as our sign to abandon ship. The path we took through the woods were on both sides very thick. Lots of overgrowth, bushes, and brush. Now on your left, there was this old abandoned, dilapidated house. Then to your right, lots of full rocks and boulders. And eventually, if you went to path, it would actually take you to a cool waterfall. In that moment, I was so wrapped up in my own thoughts that my friend and I didn't even notice the figure. It slowly came closer, and when we finally noticed, we saw this eerie black figure walking towards us from another path. We got a really bad feeling instantly we stopped and looked at each other, 
wondering what this thing could be, and waited there for it to come and get us. In that moment, I could feel my heart beating out of my chest. But I couldn't run. Something inside me was telling me that if I ran, this thing was going to catch us. Now to describe to you what on earth this thing was. I can't. It was glitchy, if that makes sense. Electrical. It looked like a living, moving, physical shadow of a man with an electrical outline. Or kind of like what happens to a VHS tape when it glitches. Like very staticky. It's terrifying. I mean, it made no sound, but you could feel this thing's energy projected onto us. We fled without even hesitating another second, somehow able to fully convince our bodies to run. Now this thing continued to pursue us. We ran and ran, paying no mind to if this thing was really pursuing us further. I think at one point or another, I think we lost it. We had stopped to catch our breath and the forest around us had begun to come back alive. I remember hearing the birds and thinking, oh, that's a wonderful sign but the eeriness was still there. The feeling you could cut with a knife of dread was still lingering. We knew we couldn't stop in this spot for long. We were quickly looking around, just in case this thing decided to show itself again. Like I said, the forest was so thick, you couldn't see past 10 feet in front of you. It's amazing how something as dangerous and terrifying as what we just saw could blend right into its environment. We made it out alive and in one piece, they would say. We never talked about it after that, but my friend and I still talk about it to this day. At least we didn't talk about it for a long time afterwards. So only recently we have begun to talk about it again. Hopefully that's not too confusing and you understand me. Anyway, we mentioned to each other and recounted the events just to make sure either of us were not crazy. We both remember it the same as the other. I'll leave you with some advice. If you ever find yourself walking alone to the woods on any given day, don't be so sure that there aren't paranormal entities around you, able to go in and out of this very existence that we live in. Mm -hmm.